If you have your Bibles, open them with me and turn to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, we're going to start at verse 6. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body of sin might be done away with, so that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. I'm not saying you died like physically, you died spiritually, that your old man was buried and that your new self resurrected because it says, um, I mean, I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's kind of a long chapter, but I, I encourage you to go back and read it talking about being buried through baptism with Christ and then raised just as he was raised. And so your old self, therefore, has been buried. And so if you've died to self, now you have been freed from sin. So you're no longer a slave to sin. You know, there's a great song. And listen, I love the song, but they kind of change the word a little bit. And, and the song so the song goes, I'm no longer a slave to fear. And no, we're no longer a slave to fear. So I do love that song because of that. But the Bible says we're no longer slaves to sin. Let me keep reading. For if we died with Christ, believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Verse 11, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. And, you know, and I'm going to kind of keep stopping as I go along. But when you, this Romans chapter 6 is so, I mean, maybe the best discourse in the entire Bible. Um, and speaking of sin, when I was in Bible college, I had a class called the book of Romans. The entire class was about Romans because Romans is often, you know, it's one of Paul's probably most complex writings. And it, it could be, there could be sometimes things that may be a little bit difficult to understand. It took a whole class. So I happen to love the book of Romans. I, I, I know a lot about it. I understand a lot about it. And, and I'm sure that a lot of you do as well. But this is important um, because God takes sin very seriously. Um, you know, it's not something to mess around with. You don't mess around with sin. You don't play around with sin. You don't treat sin as like, well, um, you know, Jesus died to forgive me. So, you know, listen, sometimes we mess up. Listen, I, I you know, <laughs> if, if you... <laughs> Uh, I, 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 so, um, my husband and I, we, we, he's, he's at work now, so he's not watching this, but, um, we're always like laughing. We're always laughing and having a great time. We're like, we're both like super hilarious people as well. So that's part of the reason. And we're always laughing and having a good time. But last week I, I was, it was early in the morning and I hadn't had a cup of coffee yet. And, you know, um, and it's not often that we never, like, we really don't argue about anything, but, but I hadn't had a cup of coffee yet. And he, <laughs> he was in the kitchen and I know, <laughs> see how transparent I'm being. Um, and he was kind of in my way of getting my coffee cup. And I just like, <laughs> I don't know, I just started yelling because I was really annoying. He's just like, why are you yelling? <laughs> and I felt bad. Because I'm not trying to like yell at, at him and stuff like that. And I hadn't had, you know, when you don't have coffee yet, it's tough. So, you know, I'm not, you know, I didn't plan to get upset and start yelling. So no one's, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that you'll never have a moment um, when you, you know, lose your temper. 
or you get a little bit impatient on the road. I'm not saying that. And thank God that we, we can come to repentance and say, Lord, forgive me for doing that. I'm talking about an intentional decision to continue to sin even after you have been dead to your old self. Let me keep reading. Verse 12, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. And this is the verse that's used to, to you know, decide that tithing doesn't exist, which I don't understand how, how the context of it makes sense. But anyways, for sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under law, but under grace. And I want to read a note on that. God delivers from sin at the new birth. So if you become subject to it again, it's your choice. Okay. So if you are continuing in sin, it, you're choosing to do that. You're not, it's not like it was before when you had the weight of the law that you had to try to obey, um, you know, that, that, that was impossible to obey. Now you've been delivered because, uh, Christ raised from the dead, because your old self was buried, because now you've raised to new life in Christ. And by the way, you know, being on, listen to this, this is important. Being under grace demands the same obedience but it provides the power to obey, which wasn't the case under the law. God will not demand obedience without the power to obey. That's, you know, that's the, the, the great thing um, about Christ. Because now, you know, his, the, the whole substitution program was about Christ coming, standing in our place taking those sins that we could never possibly atone for and make atonement for those sins. John brings up a good point. Jesus talked a lot about repentance. Um, and again, you know, and, and I'm, and I'm going to show you from tonight, it's almost silly in a sense, you know, to be a person who um, looks at sin lightly or says that it doesn't matter what we do because Christ died. Yes, Christ did die. But our old self died with him. Let me keep reading. Verse 50, what then shall we sin because we are under, we are not under law, but under grace by no means. So Paul is basically asking a question and answering it for himself. He's saying, should we continue to sin? You know, since we're not, you know, we're not under the law. No, no, by no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one to whom you obey, whether you are slaves to sin that leads to death, or obedience which leads to righteousness. But listen to this. Thanks be to God. Though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholly, wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. Pina, we are in Romans chapter 6. Verse 18. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. Uh, Romans 6, 18. Look at what, what um, um, Romans 7, 7 says. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. Indeed, it would have not known what sin was except through the law. So you have to understand now that the law 
you know, it's making you aware, okay, th th there is sin now. There is uh, um, things I need to obey in order to be righteous. But God, he has delivered us from sin and he has given us the power to obey him. So now we're no longer, again, we're no longer slaves to that sin. We're no longer under that, um, um, that bondage of sin. We're no longer under that curse of the law because Christ became the curse for us so that we could be set free from the curse of sin, no longer to sin anymore. If you're set free from something, why are you having it? Why are you entertaining it? Why are you bringing it back into your life? Let's keep reading. Let's go over to Titus. That's right, Sheba. You either have grace or you don't. Titus, <laughs> if you saw my broadcast advertisement and you understood it, well done. Because only I think only a select few would have understood that broadcast advertisement. I thought it was solid gold, personally. Titus chapter 2. And verse 11, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Listen to this. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Did you hear that? Listen to this. I'm going to read it again because that's powerful. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness. Welcome, Pastor Steve. Pastor Steve is somewhere in the, in, the, in the United States right now. But we all miss you. And hopefully you're like relaxing. And just like, you know, not thinking about anything. Um, of course, you're always thinking about us. It's hard to not... Um, it's hard to not think about your church when you're not with them. Um, boy, everybody's excited. See, look, look, Pastor Steve, everybody's really excited to see you. You're in West Virginia. Cool. You know, I, I've been to West Virginia. I went to a wedding there. Was it West Virginia? I think it was. Um, boy, everybody, see, everybody's super excited to see you. Um, I've been, I went to a wedding in West Virginia. And so... <laughs> So, you know, okay, this is a funny story, guys. I know, I know. Let me just take a, a, a moment to say this funny story. So my, my family is Italian. And up until th this point, um, <laughs> I know, and he, he got me to tell this, this hilarious story. So about, it's about West Virginia. Um, so my, my family's Italian and, and my, no, it's, it's fine. We're having a great time. Um, and we're glad you're here. So my family's Italian and no one had ever married someone who was not Italian. Hey, Maria, good to see you. No one had ever like strayed out of the Italian, uh, uh, nationality. But one of my cousins, he met a girl from West Virginia. I believe they met in Bible school. If I remember correctly, I might be completely wrong, but I think that's how they met. Actually, I'm not sure, but I think, and, um, and so she, she was from West Virginia. And so we went to West Virginia for this wedding. And now if you've ever been to an Italian wedding, you would know what it was like. Um, I think we've all been to them. If you haven't, oh, it's hard to describe. It's like all the food you could ever hope to eat. It's super fancy. 
Um, everybody's dressed fancy. And so we go to this wedding in, in West Virginia and it was our first experience with such a kind of um, culture. And, and so we're sitting like outside on like these, these big like tables and we had like paper plates <laughs> and like paper cutlery. <laughs> oh, they did their best. Listen, they did their best. They made pasta for us. Um, and it was, it was a lovely time, but it was quite a, a culture shock. Uh, to be sure and but you know what that cousin actually opened the door a lot of a lot of us after that married non-italians including myself um so thankfully he opened the door for that um she was from jessica's uncle church uncle really okay that's actually cool see connections everywhere um and she you know what i have to say she is awesome she's like one of the, the coolest people i know and um, so it was nice to, you know, connect with a different culture, something different. My my grandfather was a little bit, uh, he, br <laughs> he brought a bottle of wine in a paper bag because, you know, they didn't drink. And um, anyways, which ultimately is a good thing. Well, I'm not going to go back into that subject. Let's get back into the word. Okay, that was a nice, a nice segue. Um, but that was, that was good times. I'll just, I'll never forget sitting down to those paper plates and we're like, what is this? <laughs> we're like, um, yeah, anyways. Um, but you know, you have to learn to expand your horizons beyond other, uh, to other cultures. This was a long time ago, by the way. I'm talking like, I don't know if my mom or dad could confirm. We're talking about like more than 20 years ago. Am I... Definitely, it had to have been more than 20 years ago. So it was a while ago, maybe even longer than that. Um, and they're, But they're great people. They're, and actually, I have to say this, you know, we met her entire family. West Virginians are super cool. 1996. Okay, my math whizzes, that was quite a while ago. Um, and But you know what, like honestly, they're the nicest people. Like legit, they're such nice hospitable people um so anyways if you're ever in west virginia it's a great place to be um steph says almost heaven 26 years wow 26 years i think i need to go back to west virginia anyways all right let's get back to the word we're back um titus uh, titus 2 let's i'm gonna read verse 12 again in case you just joined us and didn't know what in the world was happening um Exactly, just like New Brunswick. And you had no idea what was going on. We're talking about grace. Actually, let me read verse 11 again. Titus 2.11 For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no, no in capital letter no, to ungodliness and worldly passions. And to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem, listen to this, to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. These then are the things you should teach, encourage and rebuke with all authority, do not let anyone despise you. That is something that I think a lot of modern ministers have missed. Encourage and rebuke with all authority. If you see someone who's living in sin and, and, and you know, sees no problem with it, it's your responsibility. 
with the authority that God gave you as a minister to rebuke them, to, to show them there's, you can't go in that way. Go, walk the straight and narrow path. You know, it, it says in this present age, it's not like, well, you know, when we get to heaven, you know, we'll be, we'll be purified. No, Jesus came and said to purify for himself a people that are his very own. So while we're waiting, while we're in this present age, while we're waiting for, for Jesus to come in the clouds for that trumpet call where we go to meet him in the air, while we're waiting, <laughs> we have to live upright, self-controlled, godly lives. Make no room for sin. Make no excuse for sin. I'm going to talk, I'm going to give you three points about sin. If you're uh, sorry, not about grace. If you're taking notes, number one, grace brings salvation. Grace brings salvation. Ephesians chapter two and verse eight. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. It is by grace that you have been saved. The grace of God has, brings salvation. So you have to understand that grace you know, how dare we trample on that precious gift that God's given us that brings us to salvation by still living in sin? <laughs> my, my dad, I'm going to read what this comment my dad said. He said, I spoke with a pastor today and he says some people have hands raised in church with no change in their lives. They're not going, they're not saved. Salvation, it, it, it's like a, a um, a, a line in the sand between your old life and your new life in Christ. If you don't see any change, there's a problem. Then you, th th then you actually don't even have grace. Because grace enables you to be saved. It's God's gift. And, and it, the Bible says here, I love verse 10. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And grace is available to all people. Like it says in, in Acts chapter 10. What, you know, it says, um, that's number two. It's available to all people. That God doesn't show any favorites. That God does not show favoritism. Actually, let me read it. Because that's a, a powerful scripture. Acts chapter 10 and verse 34. Then Peter began to speak. I realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. So grace brings salvation, number one. And number two, it's available to all people. All you have to do is say, who fear him and do what is right. Question, do you think God's grace ever runs out or goes up until a certain point? Listen, you, you, if you continue to sin, and we're going to get into that, when I read more of the book of Romans, because, um, I mean, yeah, the Romans is like, if you ever want to learn about grace, just read the book of Romans. At some point, you know, you, you, because here's the thing. Here, here's, the, here's, the, here's the problem that pe when people don't take sin seriously enough. 
so either they're assuming two things they're thinking that they have time okay they're thinking that um you know i, I don't have to worry about this now um you know i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you know jesus to forgive me you know as soon as i get out of bed with my you know being unmarried to my girlfriend then i'm gonna ask you know for forgiveness so people think they have time um and that's the first problem you know that you think well because you know we have the, especially younger people and i'm not calling out young people but you know they think they have all the time in the world i know teenagers that are, are living in the world even though they're raised in church even though they know what's right and wrong but they're there because their mindset is very they have a very narrow mindset they have a live in the now kind of mindset and they're not thinking towards the future and so the decisions that they make are based on immediate pleasures and you know what the bible says about that sin is a fleeting pleasure and it leads to destruction and if you're a young person watching this when i say young i mean like under 25. if you're under 25 i consider you a young person no offense if you're over 25. i'm way over 25 so don't worry you know you don't 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 assume that you're gonna have time and let's be let's be frank here more often than not they never come back you better believe we need to live ready you, you we need to take i like josie's point god's grace doesn't run out if you're obedient to his word and live a holy life because grace is an empowering grace is like a, a an, an empowerment to live holy. What, what did I say before? God doesn't um, demand obedience without the power to obey. That's the whole, that's why we're, that's the whole point of what Christ did, of the sacrifice of Christ. Knowing that we cannot hold up under the weight of the law. So he sent a savior to carry our sins on his shoulders. And now we are in power, just like it said in the book of Titus. I think that's the best verse. To say no to ungodliness and to live righteous holy upright life self-controlled self-control it's a fruit of the spirit oh you know um you know i didn't mean it i made a mistake you made a mistake listen i'm gonna tell you this you don't end up in someone's bed by mistake you don't end up in the back of someone's car by mistake those are deliberate choices that you made because you open the door to one thing and then the floodgates open you give satan an inch and he takes a mile so i'm sorry but but i am not trying to be like harsh but you know oh i made a mistake you, okay because someone <laughs> someone forced you in, into your boyfriend's bed okay all right i didn't mean to do it you meant it now you just feel bad about it you know and, and again god it's listen this is not about condemnation we're set free from condemnation that's, that's the whole point but grace grace is not something and i anyways you know what let me continue let me continue reading the scripture because there's so much more scripture in the subject of grace so number two it's available to all people it's a gift of God and he does not show favoritism it's not just for the Jews it's for all people who call on him and number three grace empowers us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust say it again if you're taking notes 
to it, grace empowers us to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts. Ouch, Maria. <laughs> but you are right. You are right. Actually, I think if, if you want to stay on the straight and narrow, you should hang out with my mom. She's great for that. She, she'll, put you, she'll put you in your place if you start to go off track. Um, I, 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 you know, that's how I want to be. That's how we all should be. Not, you know, because we have to also look out for each other. But it does matter who you hang out with. Um, you know, the Bible says that bad company corrupts good character. Trust me. And I've, I've experienced it in my own life. Got, you know, made friends with the wrong people because I thought, you know, I need to witness to them. And yes, we need to witness to people, but you have to be careful. You have to, because here's the thing. And this is a line. And again, young people, if you're watching, we need to witness to people. You need to lead people to Christ, but you have to be careful who you allow to become an influence in your life. Right? She is, she does have wise counsel. It's true. You know, <laughs> and it's, it's a, li- it's a life of experience of, of making right decisions. You know, sometimes, and I, and I'm going to, I'm going to tell you this. I, I feel that a lot of times we will gravitate towards someone who had like, how can I put it? They lived like terrible lives and it's like, well, we wanted, and then they came out of it. And so we want to hear all about how it, you know, what happened and how they got saved. To be honest, I love, I'm blessed as well. My dad and I are both blessed for sure. I I actually kind of love to hear the the wisdom from people who never, you know, went into a life of terrible sin, who stayed walking with the, with the Lord their whole lives. I, I, I want to hear from, I want to hear their advice. I want to hear their wisdom how they stayed on track their whole life. And I feel like those testimonies aren't, maybe they're not as exciting as like somebody who like was in the mafia or somebody who was like, I don't know, whatever, on drugs or something like that. You know, that seems to be a little bit more exciting in a sense. But I want to hear from people who their entire life stayed on the straight and narrow. You know, like like my parents, like my uncle. You know, I, I want to hear from, from, from people and again, it's like, uh, if you, if you did have a, 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 a past, you know, that whatever we love everybody, I'm not saying that, um, I don't want to hear, I love to hear people's stories. I love to hear people's testimonies, but sometimes we tend to gravitate towards the crazy stories, but I want to hear from people who, who understand what it's like to walk their entire lives in holiness. Cause that's how you, you know, that's how you'll know how to stay on the right path. Let's keep reading. Romans 6.22. Yeah, well, Maria, I actually would love to hear your story. I'm not sure if I ever heard it. Verse 22. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. I'm going to read my mom's comment because she's sharing some wisdom. Keep reading the word and always put God first. Stay planted in the house of the Lord. That's crucial. Yeah, exactly. Hugh Crane. We know who you are, but (laughs) those who never walked away, it's true. You know. Oh, it's Mary. Hey, Mary. Good to see you. (laughs) Um, So it's saying the benefit you, you reap leads to holiness. 
So they're in me. What it's saying is that now there, there, there's something that happens when you're set free from sin and become a slave to God because God is your master. You walk in obedience to him, you know, and I'm not saying this for, for, I'm not saying this is a hundred percent the case all the time, but just in, 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 in line with what my mom advised, when people stop coming to church, their lives tend to go downhill. And I'm sorry, I'm not, you could probably be like, oh, that's being judgmental. Okay, I can name you about 200 examples. And that's not, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because, you know, that the, the house of the Lord and the family of God, it, it helps us. I mean, what, you know, when, when I think about, you know, we do these broadcasts every week and we're always, you know, because what it ends up being is we're constantly in the word. We're constantly in fellowship with, with people. It's a little bit difficult. Dom, you, you said it. It's a little bit difficult to stray when you're constant, because again, it's all about who you have around you. Like I said before, bad company corrupts good character. Who are you around? Who are the, who are the five closest people to you? Right? Exactly. Iron sharpens iron. You know, and I'm not saying that if you, you miss church one week because you're on vacation that you're going to hell. <laughs> I, know you, I know you guys are smarter than that. You know that's not what I'm saying. But when you stop making church a priority in your life, when you stop making it a, a, a non-negotiable, it reflects. Trust me. I'm, I'm exactly, look at the fruit. And I'm not going to name examples, certainly not going to name people. But I can tell you, tons of people that I know that it all started going downhill. They, they allowed sin to come into their life. They, 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 were, they used to come to church every week. They allowed sin to come in. You see them once every two weeks. Once a month. Then you don't see them for six months. Always the same story. And then you look at their Instagram. And they're at the bar. At the club. They're, they're on vacation uh, with their boyfriend or girlfriend that they're not married to. Same story every time. You stay close. You know, um, I love to eat grapes. And I learned something about grapes. Um, if you, When you take them off the vine, they get brown like way faster. S stay on the vine. Stay connected to the vine. And you won't go brown. Um, Auntie Joe says, sometimes people get hurt or disappointed by others. People would disappoint us. But it's important when we feel hurt to remember why we're going to church. Remember who died for us. A hundred percent. Think about this. Oh, you know, the pastor, the pastor did this or this person offended me. Did those people die for you? No, they didn't die for you. Jesus died for you. That's who you're going to church for. That's who you're living your life for. That you're a slave to God, not to the pastor, not to other people. And I know it's hard. Listen, I, I, I've, I've experienced difficulties in churches. Do you know what I ended up doing? Went to another one. I didn't stop serving the Lord and I didn't stop uh, um, going to church. It wasn't the right place. It was, and now it's, I, I know I was justified in that choice. Um, but a lot of times it's like, you know, you, we need to get over it, move on and, and remember who we're serving. You know, like, like Auntie Jo, she nailed it. She nailed it. They didn't die for us. Christ died for us. That's who we're going for. That's who we're living for. Nobody else. People are, people are hypocrites. Yeah, people are going to be hypocrites. People are going to do things that you, 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 you would have made a different decision. Sure. 
Anyways, man, I let's keep going. <laughs> Romans eight, man. I gotta. Oh boy. It's okay. It's all right. It's it's only six forty. We're good. Romans eight verse one. Now listen to this. This is what I was saying. This is important. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. And this is where people miss, miss it up and mess it up completely. They're like, oh, you know, you're being judgmental. Um, you know, uh, we're not under condemnation. No, you're not under con condemnation because you've been set free from the law of sin and death. You've been set free from your sinful nature. So yeah, there is no condemnation now in Christ. But people have a, the wrong way of looking at it. Oh, you know, just because you sin different than me. I don't sin. I, I, <laughs> if I sin, I get on my knees and repent. I don't even have time to sin. Who has time to sin? We're, you're busy doing the work of the Lord. You're not going to have time. If you're, if you're constantly sinning, then you have to reevaluate what you're doing with your life. What are you watching? Who are you hanging out with? What are you listening to? And you guys... <laughs> Clearly understand because you're spending a beautiful sunny Monday night listening to the to the teaching of the word. So you get it. Verse 3. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful men to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful men. He condemned sin. Oh, don't, don't judge me. Don't worry about me judging you. I would worry about God judging you. <laughs> or people are like, only God can judge me. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's terrifying. <laughs> and I'm going to get to that in, in a second. In order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the spirit. We are people that live. A hey, Lisa, we are people that live according to the spirit, not to the sinful nature. You, however, verse nine are, are not controlled by the sinful nature, but by the spirit. If the spirit of God lives in you. And if the spirit of God, of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Through the power of the spirit, you are no longer a slave to sin. People in the Old Testament didn't have that. They had to try to obey the law and they fell short. So could you imagine people like Daniel who, who like there's no record of him sinning? What a guy. That makes you appreciate those, those are our fathers of faith. Um, you know, because they, they had no, they didn't have this. They didn't have Christ, Christ dying and raising from the dead and being filled with the spirit. <laughs> yeah, God knows your, God knows your, Oh man, you gotta love people. And I love people. And I want people to be saved, come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Let's keep reading. 
2 Corinthians 5. I didn't put a bookmark for some reason. I had like so many scriptures I forgot. Ah, here. Listen to this. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ and not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Hey, my husband's on. Welcome. I was just talking about you before. <laughs> okay, not counting men's sins against them. So those sins, no, they're no longer counted to us. But that doesn't mean that now we can go on living however we feel like it. Be <laughs> because those former sins are no longer counted against us. They're forgotten. You know, they're, they're, the God tears them up, throws them away, never to be found. <laughs> of course, always only good stuff. Never to be found again. Where they're not held against us. But grace, grace, the mercy of God calls men to repentance. And the grace of God empowers us to no longer be slaves to sin. Turn to Hebrews chapter 10. I didn't put a bookmark. What am I doing? Okay, because then I'm like flipping around and you're just staring at me. Although I don't really know what you do when you're watching the broadcast. Are you like staring at the screen the whole time? You know, it's not the best face to stare at, but I do what I can with what I've been given. Amen. Hebrews 10, 26. Listen, this is, this is everything. Hebrews 10, 26. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we receive the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left. So in other words, you know, Sheba asked before about grace running out. There's going to be no sacrifice left if you continue sinning. And again, I'm not saying about you, you, you lost your temper and it was, you know, you weren't trying to do that. Um, <laughs> I was saying, babe, I was saying how I yelled at you last week. Um, I didn't mean to. And that's not what this is talking about. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, Mary Ellen, you're the best. Well, you guys are great tonight. I can tell that it's a great subject because you guys are, are super engaged. Wow. <laughs> My husband's calling me out. Thanks, babe. You're the best too. Maria just dropped her phone in butter. I love butter because it's like good for you, but it's so greasy. And I have this thing about grease on fingers. Like I don't like it. I, I hate like grease. Like I have to have my hands be like nice and smooth. So I feel for you, Maria. That is, that's commitment. You know, cooking, dropping your phone in butter while you're listening, that is commitment. If you deliberately keep on sinning. So if you're going to be, hold the position of, you know, grace covers my past, present, future sins. You know, doesn't matter what we do. Christ already did everything. Mm, 
I have a problem with that here. If we deliberately keep on sinning. When you talk about future sins, that means, again, you lost your temper in traffic. You yelled at somebody you didn't mean to do it. Sure. If you deliberately keep on sinning, if you look at it as, well, I could do whatever I want. I'm not under the law. I'm under grace. People that say that don't even know what it means. Because if you're going to use that verse as a license to sin, you've got the entire word of God completely wrong. You've missed it. The law, listen to this. The law with its many statutes entered to condemn all kinds of offenses and make people know in detail what sin was. Those who accept Christ receive free pardon and grace abounds and reigns in life. So we, you know, it's not, it's the the, the grace of God, the sacrifice of God that has set us free from sin. It's a free pardon. It's a free gift. You accept that gift. But now there is a life to be lived, a life of holiness. Turn to Romans 5, verse 20. The law was added so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Grace allows us to reign in righteousness. It's an empowerment. I keep saying it. If you want, if someone asks you, what's grace? Grace is an empowerment. Romans 6. This is because again, remember, um, chapters and verses were added later. They were not in the original manuscript. So I kind of, I don't like that chapter 5 ends like that. So because chapter 6, it's, it's continuing right on. Absolutely, John. And that's the thing. That's the thing. You, the Bible says you trample underfoot what, what Jesus did. You don't, you don't squander your salvation. You don't take it for granted. You don't take grace for granted. That's why I'm taking all this time to define what it is. Romans 6.1 What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can you live in it any longer? You are dead to sin. How can you live in it any longer? How can you make room for sin? Make license for sin? Well, you know, nobody's perfect. Being perfected is what the Bible says. Being perfected. That, that's what we have to do. Oh, you know, no one's perfect. We all, you know, we all mess up. It's like, stop making license for it. If you do, like I said, mess up, you get on your knees and repent. You don't be like, well, it's okay. And people just, they'll just pat you on the back. And don't worry about it. You know, we all sin. I sin. You sin. We all sin. Speak for yourself. Speak for yourself. I'm not intending to sin. I'm not intending to live life in sin. I'm desiring to walk in holiness. And that's what grace empowers you to do. You have to rid yourself of all sin. Because wherever sin is, it will eventually dominate. If sin is allowed in, it will always take over. Always. It's like, it's like the rotten apple thing, you know, you put a rotten apple next to the other apples, they're all going to turn rotten, right? 
That's the metaphor, isn't it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Sin is going to dominate wherever it is because we're flesh people. We're born in the flesh. We have a, a, a propensity for sin. It's like I talk about all the time as little kids. You don't have to teach them how to lie. You don't have to teach them to be deceptive. You don't have to teach them to disobey. We were born as fleshly human beings born into sin. And so sin is like the, almost a natural default in a sense. That's why Christ came. And so if you allow that sin in, it will naturally dominate because our flesh nature is a slave to sin. And so you have to allow the spirit to come in and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. The blood of Jesus cleanses you from all unrighteousness. 2 Timothy 2 verse 1. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, be strengthened by the grace. Be strengthened. Not like, well, we have grace now. We can do whatever we feel like because our, our sins are covered. No, be strengthened by grace. It's like grace is like a, 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 a not a verb. I don't know what I mean. Anyways, you make no allowance for sin. Ephesians 3. I didn't, man, I took out all my, I get like, took all my bookmarks out. What, what am I doing here? Ephesians 3. All right, here it is. I hate like having a flip because the people are just like, you know, waiting for you to find your place. Ephesians 3, verse 16. Listen to this. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit. There it is, friends. That he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with the saints. Remember what we talked about before. Together with the saints. It's a together thing. You're not on, you don't do it. Um, that's true, Lynn. You make a good point. Lynn just like blew me away. You're totally right. Everybody's flipping together. You're a smart one, Lynn. It's not, you're not a lone ranger. Together with the saints. To grasp how high, how long, how wide, how deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all fullness of God. Listen to verse 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more, then all we ask or imagine according to his power. There it is again. His power that works within us to be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. To be glory in the church for all generations. Should we still go to church? Yeah, you should. Sometimes the Bible, it's so clear. I don't know how you can miss it. I don't. But people still miss it. That's why we have to talk about it. Romans 8 verse 5. Listen to this one. This is like too good. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what the nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of the sinful man is death. 
But the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. That's why people in the world don't understand. Because they're not submitted to God. They're not going to understand. Why do you let a book tell you what to do? They don't understand. They don't get it. They don't, they, they, you're not going to understand unless you allow yourself to be controlled by the Spirit. We're going to go over time. That's just how it is. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm getting to the end. I know if Rick's here, he's going to be happy. This is Romans 8, and I started at verse 5. So verse 8, those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. So that's why, um, that's why you, when people are like, well, you know, um, God's listening to my prayers. Not if you're sinning. Not if you're a sinner. Sorry. I'm just, again, it's not me telling you. I'm telling you what the word says. And it's quite clear. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the spirit. If the spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness, death to the flesh, death to the sinful nature, alive to the spirit. And if the spirit of him, this is... <laughs> I know I said every verse was the best, but this one's the best. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. That's a powerful spirit that lives on the inside of you. How, you know, I don't know um, how I'm going to not sin. It's too hard. The spirit, that, that powerful spirit of God lives on the inside of you. And think about what you're submitting to. If you decide, I want my life to please God because I love him. I love the Lord. When you love someone, you know, you, you, you can't help but do things for them. You know, you can't help but, but you know, it, it's, like, it's like a reflex. And if you happen to do something that makes them upset, you feel bad because you don't want to upset them. You know, so you have to understand that when you're submitted to God, submitted to the spirit, even if you, you mess up one time or something like that, it's not going to be a, a, um, a lifestyle, right? It's not going to be a, a lifestyle of sin. It's not going to be a continual sin because you don't want to do it. You're like, no, I, I can't, I, I get that out of here. Get that thing out of here. You know what it's going to be like when you see a bug in your house, get that thing out of here. That's what it's going to be if like a sin tries to creep in. Get it out. Smush it with your shoe. Get it out. I don't want it. I don't want it near me. I don't want it touching me. <laughs> I saw an ant before and I stepped on it. Those things don't die. I step on it. I turn my, my I, I wear foot flops in the house, right? Um, I turn it, you know, to squish it and like, you know, I lift up my, my foot. It, it's still running. Those things don't die. I don't know what it is. Anyways, the point is, that's why you have to look at it. Get this thing out of here. Rid your life of sin. It's, a, it's like a, it disgusts you. If any little part of it comes, you're like, get it out of here. I don't want it. Those, listen to this. 
Those who set their affections on the things of the spirit will naturally fulfill them and will not commit sin. If you set your affections on the things of God, it's going to be really difficult to entertain sin or to commit sin. If it happens, it's because you've allowed yourself to move away from the affections of God. It's not possible to be completely submitted and filled with the Spirit and live a lifestyle of sin. I want to make sure I made that clear. Live a lifestyle of sin. You know, you could have, and I've seen this, you know, people who, who lead worship or are in the band and they, it seems like they're really anointed and, they're, and then you find out, you know, they're living a, 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 a wrong life. You know, Samson, remember Samson, the anointing was so strong in Samson. He did everything possible to get rid of that anointing and it was still so strong in him, you know, but he wasn't living right. So there was something wrong there. And so there could be people that you think, oh, I'm, I'm sure they're living right. But there was a, a moment, and I don't know where, where it was or what happened, that they started going down the wrong path. And on the outside, it looks like everything's fine. But on the inside, they're not living right. And so their affections are no longer on God. Their affections are on pleasing their sinful nature. They're on pleasures of the flesh. I want to be satisfied. Uh, Self-gratification. Instant gratification. But if you set your affections on God and on the Spirit, you realize, man, the only thing that matters in this life, pleasing God, loving Him, doing His will, why would you, sin is going to be disgusting to you. The last scripture I'm going to read before I close. Galatians 5, verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with, with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. And if you're listening tonight and you're thinking, yeah, good point, Ori. That's exactly true. That's exactly true. God sees everything. He knows everything. Um, and you're thinking, man, like I'm, I'm stuck in this cycle. I don't know how I'm going to get out. It's, it's so difficult. Listen, you don't have to... Um, you don't have to get rid of everything and then come to Christ. You come to Christ and that process of cleansing begins. That process of, of righteousness begins. You know, don't, don't think for a second, if you don't know the Lord and you're listening to this, you're like, man, that sounds too difficult. You know, what am I going to do? I, I, I'm living this lifestyle. It's going to be really hard to get out of it. You know, I don't have that much self-control on your own. You're not going to be able to do it. But Christ came. To set you free from that old life and make you righteous before God. So if you're listening to this and you're, you would say, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not right with God. I'm not living right. You know, I need to make a change. I need to turn. You know, I, I know that I'm not doing the right things. I'm going to pray a prayer. You know, you can't, you know, you can't do it alone. You have, you, you'll never make it. But once you come into a right relationship with God through faith in Jesus, things begin to change. That's not, um, you know, that, that's not just like a, a nice thing to say. It's the truth. And I've seen it in the flesh. People completely different. I know a lot of people that, you know, that watch this broadcast, that, that they haven't been saved for that long, but their life is completely different because when the Spirit of God came alive on the inside of them, it, it brought about change that on your own couldn't possibly happen. But like I said off the top, 
God doesn't demand obedience without giving you the power to obey. So if that's you and you say, I need to get my life right. I know I'm going down the wrong track. Like Loretta says, today is the day. Don't wait. Jesus will change your life. Pray this prayer out loud. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, so you have to let it come out of your mouth. It's not something, um, yeah, like, like other Marcy says, all good things happen once we get saved because it's something that changes you, you know? And, and it, and it's like, it's like life. It takes a, it's like a different, um, it's like a different filter. It's not like when you're, when you're putting an Instagram post up and you change the filter and sometimes it looks like way better. That's what it's like. It's like, it changes that filter. It looks so different, you know? And now you, and now you have the, the, the spirit of grace, the empowering grace to help you. Exactly, Sheba. You're right, Pina. So pray this prayer a lot. I'm going to pray it and you repeat it after me. Say, Father, thank you for sending Jesus. I believe that he died and rose from the dead for me. So now I repent of my sin and my wrongdoing. I want to come into right relationship with Christ. I want to be saved. I believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord. Thank you, Father, for setting me free. I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, welcome to the family of God. You know, we're all we're all people here who, who want to support you. If you prayed that prayer, send a message to this account so we can know who you are. Um, and you know, just remember you're not, you're not on your own. And I know, um, I know people that, you know, their family's not saved, their friends aren't saved and it's, it's tough. It's very tough, you know, to, to, to completely change everything. You lose friends, you could even lose family members, but that's what the community of the church is crucial. The church has so many functions and so many purposes. It's like countless. So it is from the pit of hell to ever try to shut down the operation of the church. That's it. And if you think different, you're wrong. Because the functions of the church goes just beyond anything we could think. I know people here, I'm not going to say who. What would you do without your, your church people? You don't know what you would do. Pina, there's going to be a baptism soon. I'm, I think uh, maybe in, in for sure in the fall, there's got to be one coming. Amen. Amen.